Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Literacy View. We have a very special show for you tonight. We are so fortunate to have Dr. Karen Harris, the brainchild of SRSD. And um, for those of you who do not know, that is self-regulated strategy development. And it is well-researched. As a matter of fact, just today, I saw Karen's uh, articles on a certain um, website where they were talking about it. It just happened to be where we were going to meet with Karen. And uh, her work has been well-developed, well-researched, evidence-based, and it's been around for many years. So um, Karen Harris, Dr. Karen Harris, has been a teacher since 1974. She then began writing research in 1980 and then became a faculty member of multiple universities since 1981. And um, she wrote this article that we're going to be talking about today along with Deborah McGowan, and it is called Overcoming Barriers and Paradigm Wars, Powerful Evidence-Based Writing Instruction. And I read it, Judy read it, and I love that it was so clearly laid out, Karen. I have to say, sometimes I read articles and it's very confusing, but this was so clear. And, uh, Clearly, you practice what you preach. It was a wonderful <laughs> article to read. And I also want to say I have um, uh, Karen Harris's book called Powerful Writing Strategies for All Students. And she wrote that along with other writers. And one of her colleagues, Steve Graham, is um, one of the authors, and she's been working with Steve Graham for many, many years. But as I said, Karen is the brainchild, so we're getting it right from the person who created the strategies, and we're delighted to have you, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm honored to be here. I'm excited for this opportunity, and I wow, I appreciate that introduction. Uh, you're very welcome. Really, um, I think your reputation is just stellar. And what's shocking to me, and we've talked about this, is why more people don't know about SRSD. I know Judy and I have spoken, and it's not really out there. And I'd like you to tell us your thoughts why people don't really know about something that has more evidence out there than probably any other writing framework that we know of. Well, actually, according to the IES standards uh, and the IES uh, practice guide for teaching writing, it, it does have the largest research base. Uh, it is an instructional model. So uh, we can talk more about that later, but why isn't it more in place? Why is that instructional model? We're getting effect sizes from point uh, seven something through 2.1. They're huge. And there is no other approach to writing instruction that's getting effect sizes like that. So it's a good question. Why 
Isn't it more prevalent? And I think there's a whole bunch of reasons that interact with each other. Uh, first of all, it's for it's free or low cost. What that means, the downside of that is that we don't have a commercial publisher. We don't have someone promoting and selling. And it's not just um, Steve Graham, who, as you know, is also my my husband. Um, it's not just Steve and I who have approached SRSD this way. It's almost all of our colleagues. We're not trying to sell it. And it may be that we should consider eventually hooking up with an educational company that could do more to make it more visible to teachers. But the other issues are things like education writers just don't write about writing very much. And when they do write about writing, they're tending to writing about things that are selling hot. Um, and in, despite having contacted many of them over over the years, they're only just starting to pay attention to writing. And then when they do, they want to talk about handwriting and spelling and not as much about writing instruction that's broader than that. And so I see it coming, but it has been slow. I think another reason that it's not as well known is that I call them Pied Pipers, um, people with simple fixes to instruction. And, and I've written several papers where I've talked about this and happy to uh, provide references for anyone who wants them. But these simple fixes don't, don't work. They're not evidence-based. They may be some research based behind them. Oh, research shows memory matters. Okay, so we did this thing to improve memory. But what we don't know is how their thing works. We don't know what it gets in classrooms. And so when you're looking for something pretty sim simple and quick and easy to do, I can open it and just and do it. Um, that rarely has been effective in education and that we have a long history of that Pied Piper approach. Um, I think that it's only, it, I think that we have to be fair though and say that teachers face so many challenges that they're interested in these things that look like they can be really powerful and they often can in a very limited area, just not in what it takes to be a good writer overall. They have very little time to teach writing. Our research and the research of many others show that it's the most neglected content not just in elementary school, but in middle school and high school as well. And we already know that only 24% of our students at fourth grade and eighth grade, eighth grade can be considered proficient writers. So obviously what we're doing isn't working. And teachers, though, who want to do SRSD, who are committed to SRSD, and we've worked with hundreds, they have to argue and fight for the time it takes to teach writing cohesively, broadly, and powerfully. And it's very hard for them to get that time. Yeah. And when something has to go in the school day, they've reported in survey after survey and in our work with them face-to-face, -face, when they're pushed, the thing that has to go is writing. Right, right. And, you know, Judy, my co-host, Judy Boxner, she is in the schools and uh, she uh, was a teacher. I was a teacher. Um, she's a coach now. I used to be um, a regional literacy coach for Reading First. So um, we both have lots of experience 
her experience from what she told me is that kids really, really don't um, have a clue as to how to get started. And as teachers, we don't have some really good information. So Judy, why don't you talk about maybe some of the experiences with writing instruction that you're seeing? Judy is in the New York City school system. Yes. So I've been with the New York City schools. This is my 26th year. I did about a million years in the classroom. And um, then I did reading recovery, which everybody knows I've spoken about on the show many, many times. And then I did um, seven years now. I've invested my life into more structured literacy. I'm actually working as a literacy coach now in one building um, that I'm very happy at. And I also work with kids still too. I do RTI now as well. So I've been doing small groups as well. So I definitely think that writing and and I've spoken about it before is like the forgotten pillar. It's like, it's like the stepsister of the other pillars. It's, it's um, really upsetting to me because it is such an important form of communication and, you know, very often now people will be like, oh, it's okay. We have this you know, adaptive feature or this technology or, you know, it's just really sad that, you know, writing instruction is not given the attention and respect that it deserves. I mean, for a while, we've been speaking on every episode about decoding and decoding and decoding and decoding and how decoding was ignored in reading. Right. And I think that you know, now a lot of the focus with writing instruction has been a lot on the phonics and dictation and writing sentences with, you know, bonus letters and glued sounds. But there's also the art and the craft of writing, you know, something that's meaningful and, and an expressive form. And I don't think that kids get enough time with that experience. And I don't think there's enough modeling of what that should look like, what that experience should feel like. Um, very often, in the schools in general, I've been seeing like kids will just be writing to respond to something. And then there won't be any model of how to write that response. And then you'll say, oh, don't forget the gradual release, but then you're running out of time. And sometimes it's not connected to what you read. So it just seems like it's not the joyous experience. I mean, I remember other experiences were the Lucy model, right? That was years ago when I was in the classroom. It was yeah. like a, um, it Let's was like a, it was like a um, modified Lucy schools that I worked in, and it felt more joyous at that time. You know, we had celebrations. We went through some kind of writing process when we were in the classroom. We had publishing parties. Although I have very very mixed feelings about publishing now, for kids that don't like to write, to be told that they have to copy another thing that they wrote over again is like pure hell for a lot of kids, but it was joyous. But I don't think that, um, I tried to structure it. How do you write a topic sentence? How do you write your details? But I don't know if it was that way everywhere. And I think that for a lot of kids that experience might've been writing for joy and writing for joy was fine, but a lot of it was BS. Kids weren't getting a lot of feedback correct the feedback on what they were writing. And maybe it was five pages of so, joyful so let's, so let's um, take what Judy yeah. said. So that writing process model, Karen, 
the teacher's college writing workshop. How is SRSD different from the traditional um, you know, model that's been in the schools? When I say traditional, it's been around for so long, the Lucy Hawkins right. uh, writing process. Lucy, I know why we said it. Oh, we usually drink to Lucy every time her name comes up. <laughs> Here we go. So if you could <laughs> so if you could give us um some information about what's different about SRSD from sure, sure. model. I, um I, I I'm very happy to talk about how SRSD and writing workshop are both different but can be complementary. And I want to say in response to some of what Judy said that you know, we keep forgetting the data that shows us that the more children write, the better their reading is. So we're worried about reading and we get a big boost in reading comprehension. Steve Graham has done a number of meta-analyses in writing. And in one of his current ones, he talks about that, that boost. And students who read better, write better. Now, that's not automatic. That only comes if you've got that genre knowledge and that deep structure knowledge of writing, but they are linked together and they do influence influence each other and each benefits the other. So, but how is uh, SRSD different from Writer's Workshop? Well, well, first of all, I started developing this um, approach to instruction for any kind of learning that was complex based on my experiences tutoring in high school in inner city Chicago and the base based on teaching fourth grade uh, in a coal mining community in West Virginia and then teaching special ed students in Lincoln, Nebraska for several years. And what I saw was that they were not getting in-depth knowledge about how to write At that time, there was still spelling instruction and handwriting instruction and so forth, but they weren't really learning what a writer needs to know. So I became very committed to, uh, as I moved, okay, let me back up. When I met Steve Graham and we ended up getting married, I had been building this model of instruction for complex learning. And I was thinking about doing it in math. It's for any area. And when I met him, I became extremely interested in writing. And I thought about my experiences with the students I tutored and taught. And it was a great match. So this is all happening in the late 70s. Donald Graves was one of my heroes. Donald Graves has a huge impact on SRSD. But it's interesting to note that Donald Graves, in an interview that he did late in his career, he commented that Writer's Workshop was not working the way that they had hoped it would. He commented that we thought we could do it all in conferences and we can't. He commented, and this is one of the, I think, most telling comments in this interview. He commented that there's a lot more writing going on, but it's not better writing. He said, I don't see better writing. Where's that bingo button? Exactly. (laughs) Now, we want a bingo button, Karen, because when we hear something good, we want to say yes. (laughs) Yes, not better. Keep going. Yeah, this is so interesting. Also said, 
that it's okay to give writing assignments sometimes. Now, all this is making you think of writer's workshop when it's taken to an extreme and teachers are never supposed to give assignments. Everything's supposed to be choice. I can't tell you how many teachers have said to me, oh my God, if you give them choice, so many of my students will freeze and they won't get anything done. We need other options than choice. And he said, there's nothing wrong with assignments. Assignments should be targeted and have meaning. He said that there wasn't enough instruction on the conventions of writing, spelling, handwriting, sentence construction, yes, sentence formation, sentence use, uh, understanding the reader. He, he talked about how there was just not enough happening to get the outcomes that they wanted. And he was very worried about that. Um, so I was seeing the same thing. And our early research with SRSD, the first version of it, SRSD is its third name, but it won't change again. I'm not changing it anymore. I should have called it GRIT, but, you know, it's too late for that. Um, <laughs> so, so our first version of SRSD um, had, a, had a lot, and SRSD continues to have a lot of the characteristics of Writer's Workshop in it. There's a huge emphasis on creating a comfortable writing community, acknowledging each other's strengths, a lot of peer collaboration across the whole writing process. SRSD is all about the writing process. There is a lot of discourse, dialogue, discussion. Where SRSD differs in a critical way from Writer's Workshop is we don't hold back from kids. We don't keep secrets from kids, as Michael Presley used to say. We tell them what we know about genres, and we engage them in analyzing text that's appropriate for them. We engage them in collaborative writing with the teacher. We model this deep knowledge of writing. And so we are explicitly, and I was told in the 1970s, not to use the word explicit, but I did. Oh, and right. many, many other people have. That's, and look where it is today. I, I today heard the we, same thing. I heard mm -hmm. the same thing. Yes. Today, so, we are acknowledging that explicit instruction is a critical aspect. It's not everything. It is a critical aspect. So what a lot of writers workshop. And now let me back up once more. Today, Writer's Workshop means a hundred different things, a thousand different things. It depends on who you're talking to. So you mentioned Calkins' approach. For 23 years, when we were at University of Maryland, most of our research was done in Calkins schools. They had paid for the PD. They had done the walks around the schools. They had followed her method and their kids weren't getting any better. And the teachers were disheartened and the schools weren't doing well on state assessments. And then we started working with Prince George's County, a very low income county, Charles County, Montgomery County, and a couple other counties. And even that early, even the early versions of SRSD, students were jumping ahead and the schools were excited. The teachers were excited. And so I, I, I see SRSD and Writer's Workshop as sort of interacting Venn diagrams. You know, they share a common middle, but SRSD is so different because through discussion, dialogue, peer activity, collaborative writing, all of these different things that we do, students come to know the deep genre knowledge they need for their age and grade 
And it can be deep even for first and second graders. We have kindergartners doing some cool stuff. Let me tell you, they can tell you what it takes to persuade someone and they'll either picture write it or they will actually, some of them will write in words. It's it's wonderful what some kindergarten teachers are doing. They're doing they're doing it because we weren't doing kindergarten and they just said, oh, well, we're not getting left out. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, SRSD can easily be integrated into writer's workshop. We've done case studies of it and published it. Other people have as well. It requires pausing that conferencing button um, that Donald Graves was worried about, that we just can't do it all in conferencing. And it requires that explicit instruction time. And that time is pretty substantial. And that's another difference. Students aren't just left to go discover, do a lot of reading, uh, and figure it out how you can then write effectively. They're not left to do that. Their time for a while is used to learn this the current genre. And we work on the big three uh, to inform, to give an opinion, slash persuade, slash argumentative writing. Those are uh, a progression across the grades or to narrate, and that can be personal narrative, story writing, biography writing, all kinds of things. We want at the grade level the students, given the time it takes to deeply understand that genre, how it's used, why it's used the way it's used, not just how, and we want them to own it. So sometimes we'll hear people disparage SRSD by saying things like, Oh, you're just cutting, uh, you're just creating cookie cutter writers. You're just creating little robotic writers. No, no. The whole point is for kids to own the strategies they're learning. They learn process strategies, self-regulation strategies, and genre strategies. We can pull all that apart later. But they have to own all of that. And then, like a jazz musician does, they can riff and twist but until they know that stuff, they're hampered in their writing. They can't move forward. Oh, a few do. Okay. So how do you explain that? And what I see in so much of the literature on writers workshop is they take the very best writers and they don't give you examples of the other students in the class, just the best. Now, our own daughter went to writers workshop school and um, she came home very disgruntled, even in kindergarten and first grade, because first of all, there was no handwriting instruction and no one could read her handwriting. And second of all, she didn't understand what she was supposed to do when she wrote. And the teacher said to us, her kindergarten teacher said to us, and this is an attitude, it is not the majority attitude among writer's workshop teachers, let me be clear. But this is an attitude that some have and it puts the blame on the students. So this teacher literally said to us about our daughter, look, we do everything right in the school. We do writer's workshop and we do it right. And if a student isn't already reading a bit at kindergarten and writing a bit at kindergarten, then there's something wrong with the kid. And we think your child should be assessed for a learning disability. Mm -hmm. Well, we did the assessment because. Well, we were LD people. That was our field. But, you know, it doesn't matter when you're a parent, you know nothing. So right. we knew there was no LD, right? We knew she was an LD, but we did the assessment. And interestingly enough, this isn't a story I get to tell very often. 
Interestingly enough, when we met with the assessor, she said to us, well, everything's intact. Now we left the whole assessment alone. You know, we just waited and got, and we just nodded. We knew that. And she said, by any chance, is your kid going to a whole language school? And we said, yes. <laughs> and she said, okay, so what do you think we need to do? Now, we're very fortunate. We're teachers like you. We, I taught kindergarten briefly and then moved to fourth grade. We knew a lot. That summer at the end of kindergarten, she was not reading really at all. Little word recognition, not even short little sentences. We started with word wheels and Bob's books and fun stuff. Uh, playing games, but making words out of things to move. And all. we just started with all this fun. And then we did all the good parent stuff, underlining while we read, you know, and all of a sudden it was explicit enough yet fun that she started reading. And I, one of the big turnarounds for her was Bob, Bob books because they're based on word families and the word wheels. She loved word wheels. She really got into that. And that, and then she would, she would start reading a little bit with me. And then she started reading a bit on her own. And I would, she would actually stop and talk out loud. And she would say, okay, I have to figure this out. And then she'd read. And I was always going to tape record it. And then all of a sudden, so quickly, she was reading independently. <laughs> she entered first grade reading at a second grade level. So. I saw firsthand that Writer's Workshop was not, and this is a kid with no learning problems. So now think about kids with learning problems. Writer's Workshop, we know, you can look at the NAEP data. Students with learning disabilities, they're in the bottom 10%. Students who are English language learners, they're 10, only 10% are, or less of them are getting very far in writing. Students of color, students from underserved schools, Students living in high poverty areas, um, they are the at the bottom of performance in writing. And so while there's so much good about Writer's Workshop that I embrace, I believe that by itself, the way it was done, has been done, it's simply not sufficient for children to face something as difficult to learn as writing, which, by the way, some of my colleagues argue is actually harder to learn than reading. We won't go there tonight. But to face that without instruction, it's just not right. No, no, it's not. It's interesting, um, Karen, Judy and I um, had Natalie Wexler on a while ago on our podcast. And, you know, she was talking about writing and, uh, you know, she had this book with Judith Hockman. And as I mentioned, I was trained by Judith Hockman in basic skills, even before the writing revolution came out. And, you know, I think one thing that kept coming up was this idea of responding to social studies and science and the importance of tying in writing to content areas. Which absolutely. Absolutely. We would all agree with that. So now that we talked about um, how it's different from uh, the uh, workshop model, 
Could we talk a little bit about how it's different from the writing revolution? Sure, sure. And I, I have and I'm trained in the writing revolution. I took a couple of their courses, so this should be interesting for me. Oh, to okay. Well, I, I have the book. I've read it. Um, I know teachers who are using it. They're they're integrating it rather than using it as the writing curriculum. And I think that is um a big difference between SRSD and uh the writing revolution. Um it is also a commonality. SRSD is not a complete writing program either. SRSD does not include handwriting instruction, spelling instruction, sentence construction, sentence combining, um, learning sophisticated types of sentence use as you get older in school. It does not contain the skills, but it does contain sentence development. Okay, so it doesn't have spelling, it doesn't have handwriting, it doesn't have um, oh um, vocabulary as much. It has vocabulary from what you read and vocabulary. Well, I'll take that back. It has plenty of vocabulary. Forget that. So, okay, so what's different? There is great content in the writing revolution for learning sentence construction. Sentence combining, sentence elongating, um, sentence elaboration, different kinds of sentences, although sometimes I worry that we get into too much vocabulary that it's almost like you're a grammar person in trying to remember the names of all these different kinds of sentences. But there is a lot there that's good, but that's what it teaches, and it teaches to connect sentences and create paragraphs. As I've talked about, SRSD instruction creates deep knowledge of our three big genres, writing to inform, to give an opinion, to persuade or to argue, and writing to narrate. That deep genre knowledge is necessary to use sentences effectively. You can know a lot about writing good sentences, but that's not good writing. Good writing is connected text that reaches the writer, that does what that kind of writing needs to do, and leaves an impact on that reader. And you don't do that just from sentence construction. Now, I have written since the early 80s that SRSD is not a complete program, and you must still teach all the rest of this. But we have been teaching sentence construction integrated into SRSD for years. So that, that part's not new. Do we go as far as the writing revolution? No. And that's why I think if, if I was teaching still today, I would be teaching SRSD, but I'd be looking at the writing revolution for some sentence construction content. That's exactly that I, what I do. Yes, By the way, I want you to know that's exactly what I do. I take my sentence work from there, what I learned from Judith Hockman, but then everything you're talking about, that's what I do and um, develop and have a structure for my students for writing. Um, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but when you no, said- no, I, I, there's one more difference that I think is really important between uh, SRSD and the writing revolution. Um, I'd love to see the writing revolution become evidence based, but it's not. Um, SRSD that, is. I'm sorry, could you say that one more time? I didn't hear that for the people <laughs> in the back. I, the people I'd in love the back, see- for the people on Twitter, <laughs> for the people, the influencers out there. I need to hear it one more time. Oh, my God. I would love to see the writing revolution establish an evidence base for what it does well, which is sentence construction and paragraph construction. 
But it doesn't have that. And it certainly has no evidence base as a core writing program. SRSD was uh, determined by the Institute for Ed Sciences, the What Works Clearinghouse, to be an evidence-based writing instruction model. Okay, I don't see the writing revolution as a writing instruction model. I see it as a critical component of writing instruction. And what we do not have with the writing revolution is randomized controlled trials, multiple randomized controlled trials meeting high quality standards. It's very difficult to be termed an evidence-based practice. It doesn't just mean that you looked at the research and you know that certain things help students in sentence structure, sentence um, combining and so forth. It means that you have proven that your method has positive, powerful, and for the time spent, meaningful effects on students' writing. I, I do think that the writing revolution spends more time on sentence construction than, than is needed. And that blocks out some of the other important parts of writing from being taught. Now, I'm really excited to tell you about our current work the last decade. And we just published a first and second grade study. So I've been saying for decades, SRSD is not a complete writing program. And I joined forces with Young Sook Kim at University of California, Irvine, a phenomenal reading and writing researcher with a great model of writing development and, and on and on. And she is really knowledgeable at that whole skill base. So what we did is we created, we got funded from IES, and we created first and second grade instruction aligned to next generation science standards. We created text for uh, planet Earth, and we created text for plants, one for each grade level, uh, aligned at their reading level, appropriate for them. But we taught to, together, we taught spelling, handwriting fluency, and, hand, and handwriting formation, vocabulary, sentence proficiency, and sentence combining, Discourse knowledge, now that comes mostly out of SRSD. Discourse knowledge is that academic vocabulary you need. What is an important part of powerful persuasion? Well, it's facts. You know, and what's the difference between a fact and an opinion? What else is powerful? Reach people's emotions, catch them at the beginning, have a great opening. Okay, there's so much. Our students, our first and second graders can tell you what it takes to reach a reader. So we taught that discourse knowledge. We taught planning. Um, and we taught uh, elements in the plans. And then we didn't get to go to revising and editing. We would have, but our time in schools was limited. Now, how about outcomes? Oh, so um, the vocabulary was taught both in the skills part and in the SRSD part. And what about outcomes? Oh, those kids, they just blew it out of the park. We got moderate to large effect sizes on spelling, vocabulary, sentence proficiency, discourse knowledge, planning, writing quality, structural elements in their essays, number of words written, use of transition words, expository text comprehension. They got better at understanding text by close reading of text to write to inform. Oh, it, I'm almost done. And use of source text. 
So they can do it all. You don't have to say, okay, we're going to spend months learning to write sentences and paragraphs before we begin writing meaningful text. They can learn it integrated together. And we have shown that um, fourth and fifth, third, fourth, I'm sorry. We have also shown that third, fourth, and fifth grade students can use powerful close reading to learn strategies that we teach, similar to the first and second graders, but more sophisticated. They increase their comprehension, they increase their learning and their writing. We end up with large effect sizes in quality and elements. So we are not just doing SRSD for writing anymore. For about a decade now, I've been focused on SRSD for close reading, how to mark up text, find what you need for the genre you're writing in. There comes the genre knowledge. If I'm writing to inform like our first and second graders were, and they did so well. If I'm writing to inform, I need to know what the main topic is. I need to present it. I have important things to tell you about why you should not have a cat <laughs> or whatever the topic is in our, in this case. Okay. I have important things to tell you about what, why hair is good for you, a science topic. And they can go find the big ideas that for my parents or my principal or my teacher would show you that I understand why hair is important in kindergarten, in first grade, I'm sorry, in first grade, we asked for one or more. And some kids just did. This is my topic. This is my one big reason and maybe an ending. But we also had first graders who were planning, who were giving a good opening. Even a couple even gave a hook, which we don't teach till second grade. They had two or three big ideas and somewhat of an ending. And this was all done in timed writing conditions. So it's a think about what they could have done if it wasn't time. Our second graders. I, it was just, they just blew me out of the water and they loved it. They were having so much fun because there's a big peer component and we do the self-regulation. We do goal setting. We do our progress monitoring. How am I doing? Am I getting better? We do self-talk. What do I say to myself when I'm having a hard time? Why does it say, why is it bad to say to myself, I hate writing? What does that do to my motivation? And we work really, really hard on self-reinforcement through seeing what you've done, not through, you know, I have no problem with tokens or other kinds of reinforcement, but we don't need it when they see the progress they've made. Mm -hmm. And so these students are bringing these powerful self-regulation components in as well. We have a, a superintendent, uh, he's on video, video that is on Think SRSD. And he talks about going into a classroom to observe, and all of a sudden, they're all writing, and they're working hard, and some of them are getting very frustrated. And all of a sudden, one little elementary kid raises his hand, and he just says out loud for the whole class's benefit, it's better to have tried and not gotten it all than to never have tried at all. <laughs> He's pounding on his desk. He's using the self-talk that he chose. This is one of his things. And he was... he And then... He, he did talk to himself about, I, I learned this later, he did talk to himself as many other students were doing, what we teach them. What is the task? What is my writing job? What strategy do I know that is for this task? If I, Am I informing? Am I persuading? Am I writing narrative? Okay, I know the set of strategies for that. All right, let's write them down. Let's use them. And they talk themselves through. 
One of the things that teachers have been telling us now for nearly four decades is that one of the things they love about SRSD is students don't sit there saying, I don't know what to do. They get started. They know what the steps are. It's POW. I have to plan. Okay. I have to pick my idea, understand the topic, know what my goal is. I have to decide who my... who my readers or in learn it from the prompt. And then I have to decide what I'm going to do next, which is depends on the genre. And then I have to have a good ending and then I will have it all. And they actually write down the mnemonic. We don't require that at all on their planning sheet. They'll use some of the mnemonic. Yes, but they'll write it down as they write and they'll identify the parts of the genre that they've just finished and they'll check them off. And we don't ask for that. Yeah, so let me stop you because you said a lot about this. And clearly, I mean, just you're such an expert in this area. I mean, I could listen to you all day. Judy, you know, listening to Karen, is this the type of writing that we're seeing on social media that's being promoted? Do you, I mean, from what I see, I see a lot of stuff on social media about knowledge building in terms of reading. I don't see enough of that discussion about strategies. So I'm really happy that Karen mentioned how important strategies are because that makes a lot of sense. Knowledge is important, but so is teaching kids how to do something. And that's part of the word explicit. It doesn't just happen through the magic of osmosis. Kids have to be shown. And even me, like even listening to Karen right now, I think I could still learn a lot about how to teach kids how to write even better. What does that genre look like? And going deep into it, taking your pencil and instead of just underlining key details, but really looking at the genre specifically and looking for certain things, that's really powerful. And I definitely don't think that that's happening enough in the classrooms. I do think that the writing revolution was strong in the sense that um, the planning piece, I I liked it because it was linear, like it was linear. It wasn't like those spider webs that were like yes. random yes. things all over the place. So I don't know what, you know, SRSD's planning p- pages look like yet because I'm just, you know, in my learning process to learn more about it. I think that piece was powerful because it was, a, you know, there was a, a jagged line dotted so kids didn't have to write a ton especially if they were struggling to write so some kids really appreciate that uh planning piece but I think the piece that was missing or is missing in a lot of classrooms right now is that deep understanding of what does it mean to inform what does it mean to persuade how do you persuade somebody what does that writing look like um I think, though, it's not it's easier said than done, because from what I'm seeing, though, right now, you know, we do have a literacy crisis in this country um, and that's impacting writing instruction as well. Kids are struggling to produce good sentences right now. Spelling is a disaster for a lot of kids. So how does that look with kids that are really struggling with reading and as a result, they're writing is really struggling because we see a lot of kids that even in programs like foundations, they're having trouble writing a simple sentence in second grade. That's like uh, Jack went to cash and mash or whatever, you know, something simple. So how do you get them to now write something that's more sophisticated and deep inside of the genre 
and so forth. I'm sure it's, you know, great in a world where there's a lot of kids that are, you know, on level reading and their spelling is decent, but what does that look like for kids that are struggling? You know, our, it's interesting because you hit another similarity and um, we'll talk about what it looks like for students who are struggling. Um, You know, we're not supposed to say struggling students anymore. I shouldn't get off on that tangent, but maybe we can come back to it later. Um, First of all, our planning uh, graphic or is uh, linear graphic organizers. Uh, for the little kids, we'll often use little icons, like if they're writing a story and there's characters and there's setting and there's emotions. So we'll have little icons to help them remember and the s- steps they go in, the setting, and starting the story, the beginning, the middle, the end, you know. And um, students learn not to rely on that handout, though, very quickly. They learn to create that on scratch paper. So they that's why the mnemonics are so important in SRSD. Tide is a mnemonic for writing to inform, and it's more sophisticated as you get older. Uh, let's just say topic, sentence, catch the reader, tell what you're writing about. That would be, you know, middle elementary school. And then what are your big ideas? What do you think this reader really needs to learn from you? Um, and then... That's T, okay, topic, sentence, I, big ideas. D is details. Each idea, each big idea, give the reader some details to say more, to back up why that's important. And then you need an ending. You need an ending that wraps it up right, that connects all the things you've informed the reader about and and maybe leaves them with a smile or leaves them motivated to save water or, you know, this kind of, of ending, and we teach all different fun kinds of endings to kids. So yeah, we see that when kids have this knowledge, and then they are able to access either something they already know, or something they're reading, learning about in school, in class, then they can put those together. And yes, Judy, even our more struggling writers In fact, many studies show the biggest jumps among struggling writers. Well, in inclusive classrooms, we get those moderate and large effect sizes class-wide. But if you break it down and look, the biggest jump is often made by the struggling writers, the kids who are two and three years below grade level. And I'm sorry, I understand the, the importance of language. But struggling writers has never been degrading. It has never been a negative label. And it is not a diagnosis. It is how we talk about kids who are in need. And it is a call for help. And I will not turn my back on those kids. Our struggling writers is where I started. SRSD was initially developed for kids with severe learning disabilities and severe writing trouble. But what we found out when we started moving into inclusive classrooms was, Almost the whole class was benefiting. And there were some students who already had a lot of it. Where are they getting it? Oh, maybe like our daughter did. Maybe they're learning it at home. Maybe there's a tutor in the background. One of the problems with whole language is we never collected data on how kids who are doing well got there. We haven't got a clue. And some of it's probably the wonderful things in the classroom, but not all of it. So with our struggling writers, they're making bigger jumps. Well, they have bigger They have a neat, they have further to go. And 
because now they have this knowledge and capability, they're able to make a bigger jump. Now, in every classroom, well, not in every classroom, in the majority of classrooms that I've worked in and worked with teachers and kids, there are these kids who are already doing maybe one, two, three out of 24 or so, who already pretty much have it. And they're writing it in paragraphs. Why would I teach them what they already can do? SRSD is built for teachers to take those kids and push them further. So the teachers have to have the genre knowledge. And that's what they get in the, as they learn how our strategies progress. It, I won't teach third grade opinion writing or third grade writing to inform to this student. I'm going to jump up and look at what we do in fifth and sixth grade. And I'm going to push that student, introduce them to this, and help them see their way forward to doing Oh, maybe they're using logos, ethos, and pathos, which is just logic, emotion, and um, logic, emotion, logos, logic, ethos. Oh, and ethics. So that's just logic, emotion, and ethics. And, you know, the thing is, we looked over our kids' writing when they were learning to write to persuade our fourth and fifth graders, and they were doing topics like conserving water. Should we be paying for space travel? They They were doing... Uh, really what I would have called, you know, kind of social studies, current event topics um, for much of their learning. But they also did some fun topics like convince the principal that your school should go on a field trip or, you know, convince the principal you should have a play. Lately in the classrooms, I'm seeing a lot more writing to respond to a reading or something. Yes. It's looking boring lately. And what you're talking about doesn't sound boring at all. It sounds exciting. It sounds passionate. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, this is what the kids do. I'd like to ask you a question, Karen. So, um, you know, Judy mentioned like knowledge building, and that seems to be a big thing now. Um, A curriculum that's called like knowledge building curriculum, a reading curriculum. not going to mention any names of ones that are out there, but um, what do you think about that as far as the writing element goes in a knowledge building curriculum? And I know you said that this could be used across different content areas. So in my mind, it's, it's actually very practical that if you have a structure, a framework that could be used throughout the day in different content areas. So maybe if you could speak to that about, you know, what you think of a knowledge building curriculum, the writing component. Let's hear about that. Sure. Knowledge building is critical. I mean, we need to be informed, knowledgeable citizens We to contribute in the classroom, to contribute in life, to get a good job. Yeah, to go on forward if we if we choose an education, knowledge building is critical, but it's not enough. It's like sentence learning, how to create great sentences. It's critical, but it needs to be embedded in that larger set of knowledge about what it takes to be a good reader and understand what you're reading and what it takes to be a good writer. And so we we teach, we talk about this with older kids, not with younger kids. We don't use these words, but we teach kids to read with a writer's eye. Mm-hmm. So you're reading the writing to see why it works or why it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
knowledge is critical, but then you need to know how to express that knowledge, whether it's for social justice, whether it's for um, the workplace, where right now Business Roundtable has been telling us for years that businesses are spending millions and millions of dollars on remediating writing. Their employees can't even write simple memos, let alone persuasive pieces. I'm talking about an actual canned curriculum. That's yeah. what's coming out now. I mean, like knowledge building canned curriculum. I want to know what that is versus SRSD being used in a social studies right. curriculum and a science curriculum. So my thought right. is, and I want to know if I'm off base here, I don't think enough time is spent in social studies teaching or science teaching in an elementary school classroom. It's also one of those subject areas that have been ignored, marginalized. Yes. And so there is a curriculum, there are standards, but it's the first thing to go in the day is really social studies or science. But yes. if we actually had kids learning and teachers truly teaching social studies and science and yes. using something like SRSD for the writing, along with teaching that well, would we need a canned knowledge reading curriculum? And is that writing um, going to be taught well in that canned curriculum, as opposed to teaching a structure that goes throughout the day in every subject area? Right. Well, I, I, I don't I think curriculums need to be flexible and responsive, not canned totally, but they need to be flexible and responsive to current events. We used to call current events, social studies. Um, can you get everything you need from that? I think you can learn a lot of knowledge, but you might not know what to do with it in an applied situation or in, in writing. Now, the good news is, um, Faith and Judy, SRSD is being used across the curriculum. It's been used successfully in history classes. It's been used successfully in math and in science. And um, what students are doing is realizing that just because I learned this over here doesn't mean I can't use it over there. In fact, we teach them. It's absolutely critical that because you understand this genre now, that when you go into social studies, what kind of text are you reading? You go into history, these more advanced classes, much more difficult content. How do you know? And there's some excellent research out there by several people. How do you know what is factual, what is tainted by background, by affiliation? How do you know what to trust? Uh, Dr. Amber uh, Ray at University of Chicago, Champaign-Urbana, is doing some excellent research with college students here and how you pick credible sources and how you write to inform from them. She's also teaching, uh, have very successfully has taught students how to write college essays, and uh, that's been really cool. So it is happening, and it's even happening in math. In math, Dr. Charlene Kayahara at University at University of Utah she has been teaching with great success, large effects, fractions through writing, plus the fraction instruction that you would get in math. 
but using writing as a way of expressing what I understand. And then when I am solving a fraction, I can write out, I do this because I do that because now I know I need to do this. And one of the things about SRSD that's incredibly valuable is the formative assessment it gives teachers. You read those fraction steps and you see where the student went wrong. We did some work in long division and listening to them think it out and watching and watching and seeing what they did on their paper, we would know where in the long division process they were having trouble. And it's different for different kids. So yes, not only is it important for writing, it's important for learning and reading across the content area. And it is important for the vocabulary development and the understanding of why this knowledge matters. So yes, I, you know, obviously, I mean, that's, when I was a fourth grade teacher, um, you guys probably remember Man, A Course of Study, Bruner's um, curriculum that, oh my gosh, MACOS, M-A-C-O-S. MACOS is discovery learning. And Bruner created it with the best intentions. And basically students would learn about our culture, our civilization, our history through these interactive reading, writing. I happen to be in a fourth grade uh, in all places in a coal mining community in West Virginia, where we got MACOS, who was given to the school. We didn't get much training to go along with it. And I was teaching the science and social studies content. Other teachers were taking reading content, so we had multiple responsibilities. And um, I read the research on MACOS about a decade later, and I saw all of it in my classroom. One kid would get an understanding and yell it out, and that discovery was stolen from every other kid in the class. And you can't stop that. It's almost impossible. And you put them in pairs on the same sort of thing is happening. And other kids can't figure it out without some explicit structure to know how to figure out what they're supposed to learn. And that was the majority of my class. So all of the shortcomings of discovery learning, uh, which is you know, the basic foundation of whole language. Um, those shortcomings we we continue to see today. Um, and I don't think if we I don't think I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't go right think, ahead. Um, you know, a knowledge building curriculum is discovery learning. No, I, I don't think so. I no, no, I I wasn't I, I think, intending yeah. to say that. Yeah, no. no, I don't want to leave people with that impression um i I just what i want to know is is it like super important to for people to buy like a core reading program that is a knowledge content based can i ask you something so you know new york city is using and i know you don't like to name programs hmh is that considered a knowledge building program so it's supposed to be, um, I think, uh, a core program that's evidence-based. It's supposed to be. What that evidence looks right. like, I can't answer that. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Enough. And that's I why we're getting into. I, yeah, that, yeah. But. I definitely have some concerns. I know that uh, you asked Karen um, a question, but just thinking about it, and not to bring up the writing revolution again, but so I got trained in it. I did one course and then I did another course. 
And then you're in a school that has a curriculum that has been selected by the school. It's not that easy to like know when to do it. And what ends up happening is you have this knowledge, you might use it with some kids you tutor, you might use sprinkles, but I never felt that I successfully really made my school a writing revolution school. It was like pockets. Hey, did you read the writing revolution? And this other person, did you read it? Did you read it? Yeah, it's great. The positives. Oh yeah, because, but so, but it just didn't ever feel like it transfers seamlessly. And that's my concern. And I know Faith is mentioning a lot of schools do now have knowledge building curriculums and the curriculums are pretty structured in what they expect. And it's not that easy for a teacher to now Noah, is this is is uh, this a called a method or no? I don't. I think we don't know much yet about what you might be defining as a, a knowledge building curriculum. But I think you've taken us to a very important place, Judy, and that is the role of curriculum and commercial curriculum companies. There are evidence based practices. Um, there are. Uh, open court reading, some of HMH, they have shown that they make a difference in the classroom, randomized control trials. I have worked with a few curriculum companies over the years, and I'm working with a couple now. Here's the thing that they face, curriculum committees. One of the biggest problems with writing instruction in this country is curriculum committees. Every state has one. Yep. I, I know where you go, and I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Florida, Texas, together California. to write their own curriculum, and do they really know what they're doing? <laughs> and it's not just teachers. There's a parent, and there's you know a, a, a professor in English language arts, and there's a poetry expert. And what Wait, we see. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying. You remember, Faith, I sent you a picture of who's on the committee. And I'm like, how are they there? How did they get chosen? Why did they get phone call? Like, how did yeah. this even happen? No, it's, it's very odd. It's very odd. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what a lot of people do. They they have these curriculum committees. And um, we had Maureen Ruby on. And she was talking also about this very issue. And how, you know, we have to fill in the gaps when a core curriculum doesn't have everything, but who's filling in the gaps? That's the problem. Like you're getting people together and we're kind of piecing it together. But here's a structure, SRSD, that can be something that is evidence-based that goes across the content where you're not just going to fill in things here and there, make it up. But but here's one of the biggest issues we face in scaling up SRSD. I can point to a fourth grade curriculum right now in the summary table of what's taught. They are learning nearly 30 forms of writing in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. There's poetry, uh, Mm -hmm. several forms of poetry. There's writing a play. There's writing a business letter. There's uh, writing, oh my gosh, it just goes on and on and on. So here's what happens to curriculum companies. And, And the curriculum companies I'm familiar with, they want the time and the space and the curriculum to put in evidence based practices, and they're fighting as hard as they can. And I think that's been. Uh, a, a real strength of open court is that it had, and, and full disclosure, I have been involved in open court, but I think that they have fought really hard to get 
uh, more and more of the evidence base in there. But you sit and you work with these curriculum developers and they're committed. They know more about evidence-based practices than I find a lot of school people do. And they want it in there. But that fourth grade's got nearly 30 forms of writing they have to cover. They get a week for writing to inform if they're lucky. Now, you can't have a curriculum if it won't sell. So they are coming up with very good ways to do that, to take it into the reading time. And, and so in the reading time, they're analyzing what they're reading and they're getting the academic vocabulary, they're getting the genre knowledge, but what they can't do yet, and they could do it if the schools let them, and some schools are. And this is where Leslie Laud and, and SRSD Online have had great success. The schools have said, we don't have to cover it all. We are going to give the time that's needed in these three core genres, and we'll get in some of the rest of it, but not every student has to leave fourth grade knowing how to write five, I love poetry, five forms of poetry, a stage play, and all these other things. And so if the schools would take over and say, okay, the curriculum is a resource, and parts of it we do have to do, but parts of it we have to make a decision what these key, these third graders need to be ready for fourth and fourth for fifth. And I should have started at kindergarten because it's a sequence and all of it should build on each other. And instead, these curriculum companies and, you know, what is it, Florida, California and Texas, those three states drive the curriculum for most of the country because that's where the sales are. But there you go. States, that's where the money is. That's where the sales are. I hope that Maureen Ruby is listening to this because Karen, you sound just like Maureen. Every no, really, we had yeah. Maureen on, and she was saying some of the same things. Yeah. Um, you know, and both Maureen and I love open court. That came up the other time, and again, not to get into different names, but. It's, you know, the same, the same conversations. Judy, um, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to add or ask Karen that maybe I left out in kind of guiding this discussion? All right. So, Karen, what would be my next step? I want to learn more about this. I'm reading about it. What would be my next step if I wanted to go back to work tomorrow morning, which I'm going to do? Um, what would be a great next step? Okay, so the first thing that you would do, right, any teacher would do is figure out what is a priority for me? What what form of writing do I need to focus on? And then you would seek out the resources in SRSD to help you do that. Now, I'm sending you guys a, a updated resource list. It's like five, six pages long. But you would also think about your class, right? You would think about, okay, what kind of spread of reading and writing do I have in here? What kind of goals? I've got to, SRSD requires differentiation. It, it, it is not a one size fits all approach at all. There are these six fluid stages of instruction that are recursive as needed and so forth. And to learn how to embed that self-regulation component, that's the, that's one of the newest, that's one of the most unique aspects of SRSD. No other strategies instruction has it. And we've taken it out and done studies. What happens when you take it out? You get a drop in effectiveness. It matters. All, all the forms of self-regulation matter. That so what would you do? Important. Yeah. That what would you do? 
I where would you I where would you love go? the self-regulation so, part? I need help with self-regulation. I once took a quiz about a personality test and my weakest trait is self-regulation, unfortunately. So I guess this is gonna Hey, be- teach it to the kids and you'll get so good at it. Do you know sports is gone crazy with self-regulation, self-talk? Anyways, where would you go? Okay. The first thing I would direct you to is our 2008 book, because SRSD instruction is fully explained in there. We haven't been able to do that in the time we have here. How you start, how you differentiate, how you progress across developing background knowledge and academic academic vocabulary and getting a genre sense going. And then you go on and how do you bring in the kids who are still not quite where the the most... uh, the kids who are making the most progress are, how do you bring them in? How do you help them set different goals? How for the kids who are already doing a lot of what you plan to teach, do you help them set different goals? So all of that would be in the 2008 book. Then you would have identified the genre. Now, the 2008 book is not old. In our new book, which is in the process of being developed now and um, we're really excited about, we won't repeat a single strategy or set of strategies that's in the 2008 book. They all work. They're all evidence-based. They don't make it in the book unless there's a strong evidence base that that set of strategies works. So we will be bringing that together in the new book, but it'll be all new strategies. And we, in fact, we will have strategies based strategies. Hello, strategies. We, you know, we've been saying this now for a long time, but a lot of other people were saying, oh, you don't really need strategies. You know, they don't know what to do. Exactly. You know, basically that, you know, you just put in a knowledge-based curriculum and you do teach strategies, but not too much. And yet people are saying this that don't have half the knowledge that you have, Karen, or Steve has, Judy and I have been saying this again and again. And you know what? People look at us like, you don't know what you're talking about. But I think we do. I think we do. And I I still have a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn. But you know what? At least I have an open mind to say, you know what? I want to learn more strategies. It's okay that it's year 26 for me in the classroom or, you know, working as a coach and an RTI teacher. I don't know it all. And if if I want to really help kids, I can't just focus only on, okay, phonics and the foundational skills. I have to grow because my kids, they're only with me for a little while. And that little window of time goes by very quickly. So the urgency is real. Yes. But I keep learning too. I mean, I, Every time I take on a new form of writing or a new grade level or work with new colleagues, and I, I want to say for, for the teachers out there, if you're getting into argumentative writing, um, which is becoming the big push right now, right? And we're dropping narrative too much in school. So I'm going to put a plug in that how important narrative is. But because state tests, uh, you know, we don't have a national writing test anymore. So because it got- Karen. I, I'm like, I keep interrupting you, but I'm like... Thank you, Karen, for saying narrative. I I also brought this up on social media. Well, what happened to good literature? I was trained in great books. I was a great books leader. And I was like, what are we doing that we are not even talking about narrative? 
I'm just, thank you. <laughs> just thank I you. I do see a lot of narratives in school. I have to be honest, narratives I do see a lot of. So much depends on where you are. In some of the schools and districts we're working in, very little time, if any, is be given, being given to narrative in the year that the state does its test. Mm, okay. ah. ah, there we go. There we go. It's either about money or the test. <laughs> yeah. Well, you saw in my article, um, tests can be good, but tests can do a lot of harm as well. And it's a complicated discussion. It's it's in that article. But, but Judy, what most teachers want to give up first, and so I'll I'll plug this because I know you won't, is the self-regulation components. Well, I don't really have to have my students graph their elements, and I don't really have to have that pre-instruction writing that they can compare to. Oh, yeah, you want to bet? You take that out, effects drop. Kids thrive on seeing their progress. They're so proud of themselves. And when, and we use these we use fun things, ice cream, balls of ice cream on a cone, rockets taking off from Earth for the little kids. Older kids can graph, you know, bar graphs. They can do all that kind of stuff. The little kids love it. And they get to color the graph, not just for having the elements, but did I use good vocabulary? They, they have like stars around the rockets. It's just so much fun. I will send you guys a, a PowerPoint that has some examples of students using SRSD and what and what they created. You'll you'll You can share that as well. Um, this sounds great. Well, I want to just, this that, well, you know what it sounds like, Faith? It sounds like it's a Halloween special, like we're going trick or treating <laughs> and we're getting all the goodies. We're getting the goodies. We're getting the goodies. Yeah, but I think you might have two segments here, not one. This has well, been one of the, you know, this has been one of the best podcast discussions. I've, I've only done a handful, but we yeah. really, I mean, we got into stuff more deeply. I'm thrilled. Because um, we're no bullshit, Karen. <laughs> and we're working in the classrooms and we're working with kids all the damn yeah. time. Right. Yeah. So I just yeah. want to say that if you really want the lowdown and you really want a no BS, free bullshit zone, listen to what's going on. We just interviewed Dr. Karen Harris, the brainchild of SRSD. We also had Stephen Chulo and Allison Collins talking about the research, some of the latest research in writing, writing instruction and teacher attitudes about writing. We've had Maureen Ruby on, who is just, you know, she's Maureen, she's a rock star. And, <laughs> and we've had some of the best of the best people here who do the work who do the work and know the work and know the evidence. So we're going to press the BS button on anyone who's saying that strategies aren't important. Right now, Judy, you and I. One, two, three. <laughs> and on that note, we will wrap up tonight. Judy, tell everyone where you can find us. So thank you so much, Karen, for being here. and. To our viewers, you can find us on Facebook, The Literacy View, Real Teachers Letting Loose. Also, follow us on our newly designed Instagram page, Literacy View. Also, follow Faith on Instagram at High Five Literacy. Follow me on Instagram, Boxner Damsky. Follow us on Twitter at Boxner Judy. 
Follow Faith on Twitter at Faith Borkowski. And follow us on our YouTube channel, The Literacy View, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're everywhere. Oh, and I forgot. This is shame on me. And one of the reasons that we even discovered this was because of Leslie Laud. So I can't even believe I forgot to mention Dr. Leslie Laud. And we had her on. And if you want to go back and see that bang, bang up interview with Leslie. Oh, Leslie. Yay, Leslie. So I just want to say that we've had some great people on. And Leslie, I apologize. I can't believe I even forgot to mention you in this. No, no, forget the show's not over yet. I had one more thing, Karen. I know I And I have one. (laughs) Okay, you go first. Well, I just want to say I've known Leslie. She was an early adopter. I have known Leslie for decades and her her colleague in this Pooja Patel. Um, they started using SRSD in a United uh, Nations school, United Nations. So what, um, what do you, the American schools for people who are abroad? And, oh, I can't think of the name of it. You know, anyways, they started using SRSD very early and they have taken SRSD to places that a researcher can't get because I don't have the money to be in school all year. I don't have the money to put the kindergarten, first and second grade teachers together so they can decide for their kids in their context, in their schools, where to start, what to do next, what to do next. And then hopefully you get fourth and fifth on board and you keep going. So I absolutely think the work that think SRSD has done is phenomenal. And I also want to send a shout out to think SRSD. You can look up both of them online. And Judy, one of the places I would send you is to both of those websites. They have free materials, rubrics. We use rubrics. Kids learn rubrics. They know what the the writing needs to have. They have materials. They have videos. You can see modeling happening. They, between the two of them, they have so much. You could spend half your life getting into all of it, but you would be targeted, Judy. You would be focused. This grade level, this genre for now. It's happening. I have something fun planned with my teachers. Four teachers have joined me on election day. We are all getting down and dirty for six hours of training in some of these methods. So we're really excited. And one last question for from me. I know we said goodbye. So your third article mentioned broccoli, and I forgot I wanted to mention the broccoli <laughs> reference. What was the broccoli reference? Because it was really, okay. like, that stood out to me. Yeah, that's a story from a teacher um, uh, whose daughter was going to school in the district she taught in. And she met with her daughter's teacher, and she asked her, she said, how did you turn what was broccoli to my daughter into ice cream sundaes? And that was writing. And all the materials, that's the fourth and fifth grade instruction for close reading and writing to to, uh, persuade. And all of those materials, they're on the resource list. Just go online, pull them down, use them. That's it. So let's turn writing into ice cream, everybody. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Let's do it. Yay. This was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. This has been a blast. What? Uh, we've got to get together somewhere sometime, guys. I think let's we can have a drink to Lucy. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but let's make recording. a glass of wine. You're still recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you've had it, so. <laughs> <laughs>